With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, and it's an awesome Friday. Friday, August the 27th, and I'm so glad you guys have uh, joined me. Fantastic show planned for you today. You see what's next to me, the flag. About to go off and go off on one today. Uh, And as I told you the last time I brought out the flag, if you ever see me with my Bible, that's an indication like Armageddon's here. The apocalypse is here. And that's what we're about to do today. My head may explode at some point today, and that may be why I'm having uh, potentially my last meal. Uh, <laughs> because I'm hoping that I can get through this today without killing over and dying in anger, anguish, whatever emotions fill me up today uh, as we talk. But I want to start uh, with good news. Uncle Jimmy has been basically given the all clear. Uh, we think his battle with COVID is over. Uh, he had a little complication uh, yesterday that we sent him to the doctor for uh, today, this morning. And they've cleared up the little complication that had really nothing to do with COVID and just, you ever heard of a pilotted all cyst? It's like a boil. Anyway, we'll get into it when Uncle Jimmy comes back. On Monday, we believe, Uncle Jimmy's scheduled to return to the show. Uh, I'm starting today talking about a couple of people that have been a great assistance to the show. Uh, I want to handle this business because once I go into my rant, my fire starter, my monologue, I don't want to be distracted. I don't want to have to think about anything else. And so I'm starting today. You're looking at some steak, some chicken. These are our good friends at Good Ranchers. And our good friends at Rectech finally had our 700 series grill delivered. And I started a fire in the backyard and made some good ranchers chicken, some good ranchers steak, and oh my God, did I do an amazing job. Now I will say this, I overcooked the steak just a little bit, a little bit more better, more than I liked it, but is the steak absolutely amazing? Absolutely. It is unbelievable. I worked out this morning for like 30, 45 minutes on my Stairmaster so that I could enjoy this meal and I could enjoy this good rancher steak and chicken. I've probably gone overboard, but this American grass-fed beef, chicken, unbelievable. I've had an incredible morning And and we're about to have an incredible show. I'm going to quit eating. I'm going to start feeding you with some thoughts, logic, information. Uh, So forgive me. I'm going to bring Corey in. I'm going to take one more bite of this chicken. I think this is the, what is it, chili lime? Uh, Chili lime, yes. Chili lime. It's unbelievable. This is my last bite. Don't give me any more of this today. I've eaten more than enough for today. Good Ranchers. Go to goodranchers.com backslash fearless. You got to get some of this. 
I don't know if you guys have noticed, but someone uh, emailed me last night and told me, hey, Whitlock, I can see it in your face. I can see it in your neck. You're actually losing weight again. And I am. I told you guys this when Uncle Jimmy got sick with COVID. It shook me up. I've been good ranchers, built bar, basically intermittent and fasting, eating in a little tiny small window and eating amazing steak. The other thing I use, I shouldn't talk about somebody that's not sponsoring, but I love this stuff called Athletic Greens. I picked it up from Joe Rogan. He's big on it. Keeps my green vegetables and everything all within me. Your boy about to get back to his player weight. There's playing weight, I-N-G, and then there's playa weight, P-L-A-Y-A. Your boy about to get back to his playa weight. Anyway, I just wanted to start on a light note because I'm about to get very serious. And uh, I want you to call your friends, family, anybody you care about. Call people you disagree with. Tell them to come over to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock, and tell them to listen with an open mind to everything I'm about to say. Everything. And so I'm going to start <laughs> in, a, in a bit of a, a unique place. I want to start by explaining to people the history of the Pledge of Allegiance. And, and I didn't know this until recently. I thought the Pledge of Allegiance was something we've had since 1776. And then I thought about it and, and started doing some research and was like, oh man, that we didn't have the Pledge of Allegiance until 1892. A, a minister by the name of Francis Bellamy, I believe, and he was a socialist minister. He came up with the original Pledge of Allegiance. And it, in its creation, at its inception, it did not include the words under God. The Pledge of Allegiance started out saying this, I pledge allegiance to my flag and the republic for which it stands. One nation indivisible with liberty and justice for all. That's where it started. It start. there was no under God in the original Pledge of Allegiance, written by Francis Bellamy, Christian socialist minister. And so it wasn't until 1954 when President Eisenhower recognizing the time that he was living in, recognizing uh, the communist threat, that communism was actually uh, a threat to our way of life, recognizing that communism has no tolerance for religion, that Karl Marx's political theory, which Marxism, which promotes communism, uh, was an evil scourge that did not and does not believe in religion. And so coming out of World War II, Eisenhower in 1954 has us change the Pledge of Allegiance to what we all now know as the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And so if you have watched any of the maybe 40, I, I, I'm not sure how many shows we've done at this point, 40, 50, 30, oh, today's 39, 40, whatever. Yeah, 39, this is our 39th show. If there is a theme to what I've been doing, saying and trying to convey to people is, we got to go back to the basics. We got to go back to one nation under God. That brought us together. That was aspirational. Everybody aspired to that. 
everybody, black people, white people, immigrants, whoever came into this country, they even, I'm telling you, even non-believers were caught up in the American Judeo-Christian values, the freedoms that we espouse, all of that. Again, you got a socialist minister in 1892 who's coming up with a pledge to the allegiance of the American flag. Now, he didn't include God, but he was caught up in loyalty to his country. And even though the country was founded on Judeo-Christian values, this Christian minister, he bought all in. Even as a socialist, he bought all in. We all, to some degree, used to aspire to a vision of America, liberty and justice for all. And we knew that our allegiance to God actually empowered, powered, promoted the freedom that we were all in love with. And we have strayed from that. And yesterday, as I'm sitting at home uh, in the evening, and I'm, I, I, you know, I don't watch a lot of TV. I've said that, and it's true. I watch a lot of old movies. This, this morning, while I was working out on my <laughs> Stairmaster, I was watching uh, Al Pacino's movie, The Insider about the uh, 60 Minutes producer and the tobacco industry or whatever. I watch movies, I watch old movies. I don't watch a lot of TV. The only thing on TV that I watch regularly at this point is Tucker Carlson's opening monologue. And a lot of days I make it through the rest of his show. Uh, you know, probably 70% of the time I make it through the rest of his show but I always make it a point to see his opening monologue. I think it's destination must-see TV. So yesterday, I'm watching Tucker Carlson, and it's one of those days where I continue watching long after the monologue, and the next thing I see is Glenn Beck from The Blaze on Tucker Carlson's show. And I had heard about Glenn Going to the Middle East, obviously I work at the Blaze, Glenn works at the Blaze. I go to the Blaze website every day. I follow Glenn on social media. I had heard but hadn't really paid attention to the fact that, man, Glenn went to the Middle East and what does that signify? And so I'm watching Tucker Carlson and I see Glenn pop up and Tucker starts talking about Glenn's over in the Middle East. And it shook me up, but I want to share with you a little two, three minute excerpt from Glenn's appearance on Tucker Carlson. And then I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into where my head is at and where I want a, your head and mine to be at. Here's Glenn last night on Tucker Carlson's show. Um, I will tell you that uh, we have we have pulled out 5,100 uh, people, uh, Christians, women, children, um, and put them on planes. See what you're seeing there is one of the last planes that took off before the bombing uh, or bombings today. Um, we had about 500 refugees, women and children mainly, um, and we had them inside of the airport today. And uh, one military official um, asked them, uh, didn't ask them, ordered them to go back on the other side of the gate. I have pictures of them this morning pleading to get back through the gate. Um, and then I have pictures of blood and body parts and um, nothing but death in that same area. We believe that our State Department uh, is directly responsible for what we believe were some of these people. I don't know how many survived. The State Department has blocked us every step of the way. They have, the State Department and the White House have been the biggest problem. Everyone else, everyone else has been working together, putting aside differences and trying to get these people to safety. The State Department and the White House have blocked us every single step of the way. Our mission is now changing greatly. We have to send people into even greater danger to try to smuggle these Christians out who are marked not just for death, 
but to be set on fire alive because they're converted Christians. We are going to move these people to new homes, and they are going to be a blessing to some country. I don't know why we have open borders. I mean, it's really interesting. We have open borders and closed airports. One group of people um, are exploited, raped, and killed by drug cartels. And then the other group of people are raped, exploited, and crucified or set on fire by terrorists. There seems to be a pattern with the Biden administration. Yeah. So Islamic countries, Muslim countries are more eager to accept Christians from Afghanistan than our State Department, which really tells you a lot. This country that I'm in, I begged them last night to let me tell them, tell the world who they are. They they have more compassion for these christians than our american government and it is insulting embarrassing and wrong what our government is doing now i believe is out and out evil so i'm sitting in the comfort of my home last night uh you know very nice 2,200 square foot, three bedroom apartment. Uh, It's just me, uh, very comfortable in in Nashville, Tennessee. And I'm looking at a colleague uh, who's, I would think, around the same age as me or a little bit older. Uh, He's worth a lot of money. And he's left the comfort of Dallas using his own money and working through an organization I think called the Nazarene Fund. And he's left Dallas and flown to the Middle East to rescue Christians, Afghan Christians. And I'm sitting in my home, very comfortable, very chubby, very whatever I am, relaxed, at ease, and I'm looking at a colleague risking his life, using his own money, using his platform to go save Christians. And as I watch this, the first thoughts that just run through my mind as a black man living in this America, Glenn Beck and other conservatives and people with Christian values are smeared every day as racist, as evil, as people that are uncaring, people that don't want to provide a safety net for people that have less than them. And I'm looking at Glenn Beck over in the Middle East. Is Ben Crump Al Sharpton, have they flown to the Middle East to save Christians or anybody? I was embarrassed for myself last night, like, not that I could have done it, but it's like, what have I done? We have chaos all over the world and over in Afghanistan and Glenn Beck's on national TV. They're burning people at the stake. And this is what drives me crazy about what's going on here in America. We so smugly think we're better than everybody else. We're better than all the people from the past. Oh, they had slaves. They did this. They did that. We got to throw it all out and everything's got to be our way, my way. And everybody from the past is evil and racist. And we can't respect them. Only Colin Kaepernick can be respected. Only the woke can be respected. Are any of them on a plane over in the Middle East trying to save Christians? And I'm talking about specifically to those of us that have been raised in the church. And I'm talking specifically those of us who are black that were raised in the church. We are being blinded by race. 
and can't see what God filled people are trying to do in this society. We've turned the conservative Christian into our enemy. And I'm looking at evidence at Glenn Beck worth millions of dollars, willing to risk his life and money to save other Christians. And I know he would do it for me, you and any other Christian here in America. But we want to call these people the racist threat that are mortal enemies. You think a man that would get on a plane and fly to the Middle East in this time, this week, to save Afghan Christians? You think he's the problem? We have to snap out of this. The left is blinding us to our natural allies. It's Christians. I'm not sitting here on a pedestal. I keep it real with y'all every day. I am not perfect. I am a flawed sinner. I'm not coming to you from above. I'm not ridiculing your sin because I'm a sinner. Damn it, we got to cut this out. We can't keep destroying our natural allies because the left has told, oh, they're Trump supporters. That same Trump supporter might be the person that saves your life because of their Christian beliefs. The, the history is littered with it. Who do you think brought us out of slavery? Who do you think was on the front lines willing to die during the civil rights movement? It was Christians. We think everything is black and white. And the only judgment we need to make is what skin color a person has. And then what, what political point of view do they have? Oh, he's a Republican. He's my enemy. Are you kidding me? You can look at a man with that kind of wealth and money, his own family to, to be concerned about. He will get on a plane to go save Christians in the Middle East. And you think that's your enemy? I'm sorry, and, and I brought my Bible and I'm about to curse and I'm trying not to, but you're a fucking idiot. At some point, we have to snap out of this delusion. And I'm not trying to cast everybody on the left as evil. I'm not trying to cast non-believers as evil. I'm just trying to tell you what I know. If you want to improve yourself and improve this country, we have to go back to one nation under God. It's the only thing that can save this country. And I say that I've written, I've talked about, I've pictures. Y'all know who I am. I'm not Billy Graham. I'm not T.D. Jakes. I've lived in the world. I've done it all. I'm not coming to you from some religious high horse. I'm coming to you from a logical perspective and understanding of American history and a growing understanding of world history. Our salvation is through Christ. I'm not telling you oh, what church to go to. I'm not telling you even got to go to church. But we must restore Christian values 
to our culture. We have to look at something more important than our skin color when we're evaluating people and when we're evaluating the actions we should take, who we should look to for support, guidance, leadership. We accomplish great things in this country because we put some Christian values at the forefront. And what that will do is make you tame your uncivilized desires, your ungodly desires. They will be tamed. You will do things you don't, wouldn't normally do or wouldn't believe. It'll make you love your neighbor even though y'all don't agree on everything. It'll make you see him as a human being and human, and it's a two-way street. We have to come off this uh, belief that, oh, because I'm black and my ancestors suffered, y'all got all the work to do. All the sin is on your side. Because the other thing I saw last night as I continued to watch the Tucker Carlson show was that uh, Ashley Babbitt's husband came on Tucker Carlson show. And, and earlier I had, someone had texted me that uh, NBC, MSNBC, was talking about January the 6th. And, and they, somebody insinuated they were interviewing the cop who shot Ashley Babbitt on January the 6th. And I was like, wow. You know, because again, I don't watch much TV, but I just thought it was odd. I was like, hold on, man. we got this stuff going on in Afghanistan. And the cop that shot Ashley Babbitt that I didn't know who he was. And I thought he was keeping a low profile. He just happens to show up on TV the day these events jump off in Afghanistan. And I just thought it was odd. And then I'm seeing Ashley Babbitt's husband on Tucker Carlson's show. And so I went and go looked. I was like, oh, my. Michael Byrd, the, the policeman that shot Ashley Babbitt, he did an interview and I watched the interview online afterwards. And I got even more upset and even more halfway depressed because the man's interview was mind blowing. And I'm looking over social media and I'm looking at the racial divide over Michael Byrd's interview. And I'm just, how could there be any divide? How, how could anybody debate this? And so, because again, and some of this stuff, I, I hadn't paid a lot of attention. I hadn't watched individual videos of what happened to Ashley Babbitt. All I knew was that a woman that was unarmed was shot on January the 6th at the Capitol. Just on gut instincts, unarmed woman shot at the Capitol on January 6th. I didn't like it. Just on instincts. I just like, unarmed? Come to find, she's five foot two, five foot three, 130 pounds, 140 pounds, shot by a cop at the Capitol. I, I know there was, as far as I know, it's the only shot that was fired. And so, just knowing that little bit, I just thought it was wrong. Watching Michael Byrd's interview and then watching some of the video of what happened, I nearly fainted. And I can't believe there's a divide on this. There's right and there's wrong. And what happened here was wrong. It's not even up for debate. But I want to play you. Uh, Short, maybe 30 second excerpt here from some of Michael Byrd's statements to Lester Holt on NBC. Let, roll Her family tape. points out that she was not armed. That's correct. The fact that you weren't aware whether she was armed or not, did that alter the decision making? It did not. And what did you think this individual was doing at that, at that moment? She was posing a threat to United States House of Representatives. You should watch the 
complete interview or the parts that they they show. Hey, man, you can't go on national television having killed an unarmed woman, regardless of what color she is and regardless of what she was doing. She was unarmed. You just said on national TV, you didn't care whether she was armed or unarmed. And then your justification was she was posing a threat to the House of Representatives. You didn't say she was a direct threat to me, Michael Byrd. You didn't say she was a direct threat to my coworkers, other Capitol Police officers. You didn't say she's a direct threat to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Shermer, Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham. You didn't say none of that. You said she was a threat to the House of Representatives. Oh, replay it, because I want to make sure. Replay that, the whole thing, because I want to make sure that I, I'm going to write it down this time to tell you, so I can just be crystal clear what he said she was a threat to. Play the tape. Her family points out that she was not armed. That's correct. The fact that you weren't aware whether she was armed or not, did that alter the decision making? It did not. And what did you think this individual was doing at that, at that moment? She was posing a threat to United States House of Representatives. She was posing a threat to the United States House of Representatives. I guess I, the only way I could classify that the United States House of Representatives, that's a building. That, that's the, I, I don't. He didn't say members of the United States House of Representatives. She was posing a threat to the United States House of Representatives. That's a building. How was she? because she climbed through a broken window? Basically, that's what he's saying. He would have been better off. She broke a window at the Capitol. That's why I shot her. I'm not saying the man should have greeted her with applause. I'm not saying uh, he should have, hey, let me offer you a hand through the window and get here. But she had no weapon. He said he didn't care one way or other whether she had a weapon. This is a five foot two, 130 pound woman. Go punch her in the mouth. That would have been better than shooting her. You, tell, you know how many different things you can do to a five foot two, 130 pound person other than shooting them? And if he had, this is what's crazy, had he went and punched her in the mouth, people would be upset about that. But they're applauding the fact that he shot her. Are we going crazy? People are defending this based on race. That's all the defense is. We've seen Jacob Blake had a knife, had been assaulting a woman, or bothering a woman he had previously sexually assaulted, the NBA shut down its season in games because Jacob Blake was shot holding a knife. Again, holding a knife. He, Jacob Blake is shot, and we burned down all of Kenosha for a week. We riot and loot all over the country over Jacob Blake holding a knife career criminal has already assaulted a woman. We riot, burn down buildings. We stage an insurrection all over the country over Jacob Blake and St. George Floyd. But we're good this was a good kill on Ashley Babbitt. 
all the rioters, rioters, looters, they posed a threat to buildings as well. This little sanctity or, or with the House of Representatives, the Capitol is, oh, this is a special place and it must be defended at gunpoint or at the threat of murder because this building is special. That Wendy's in Atlanta that they burned down in Atlanta over Rayshard Brooks, ah, that's just a Wendy's. Building stores looted all downtown Louisville over Breonna Taylor. All boarded up, rioted, looted, burned to the ground. People posing a threat to those buildings, but don't shoot anybody. Breonna Taylor, a great analogy here. Breonna Taylor in her and her boyfriend's apartment. They hear banging at the door. The boyfriend said, they're sleeping in bed. The boyfriend says that he thinks it's not the cops. They don't identify themselves as cop, cops. He and Brianna put clothes on. He grabs a pistol. They walk to the front room. He fires a shot. The boyfriend of Brianna Taylor fires a shot and hits a cop. The cops fire back and kill Brianna Taylor. That's horrendous. How could the cops do that? How could they kill poor Brianna Taylor? The boyfriend shot a cop in the leg, fired first. The cops there weren't said, did you know if they were armed or unarmed? Yeah, we knew they were armed because they shot one of us. Michael Byrd goes on television, national TV. Now, I didn't care whether she had a gun or not. Nah, you know what? They had an insurrection at the Capitol, allegedly, and only one person fired a shot. One person fired a shot. There's insurrectionists allegedly everywhere. There's cops in direct hand-to-hand -hand combat, allegedly, with all kinds of Trump supporters. Only one cop fired a shot. Michael Byrd, he's incompetent. He killed a woman. He's the only person there that fired a shot. He should be facing charges. He should not be a hero. He shouldn't be on TV telling people, I showed the utmost courage. He should be somewhere at home thanking God that he got away with murder. Thanking God that America, well, I wouldn't thank God for it, but that America has thrown away common sense, the truth, any kind of morality. It's all politics. Oh, Michael Byrd. Killed a Trump supporter. America said, we're good with that. Trump supporters, we can kill them. And this is why I'm asking those of you that have any faith in God, have any understanding of what's written in this book. Do you think God is sitting around right now? Well, Trump supporters uh, go to line three. Uh, Biden supporters, you go to line one. There's a direct uh, gate for you to get into heaven. Uh, those of you that are Trump supporters in line three, there's a line of you going straight to hell. You think that's how it's going to work? Honestly, do, do, do you honestly think that's how it's going to work? Are you that foolish? Are you that devoid of common sense logic, any kind of understanding of God? Have we moved that far away from our religious principles and any type of morality? 
that we really think we can sit around and judge other human beings based off their political beliefs. And one group is evil and one group is sanctified. And I know to some degree, if you listen to what I've said earlier this week, I'm just talking about the policies on the left, abortion, things like that. I'm just sorry. Those pop, I just don't think God's on board with that. All of this stuff we're doing, I just can't believe he's on board with that. If you believe in God, you cannot sit here and be okay with this cop killing a woman for no reason, going on national TV, and I'm sorry, he damn near bragged about it. The man should have gone on TV and apologized to this woman's family and said, hey, even if he thinks what he did was right, apologize to this woman's family. Show some remorse for that. There's no proof she's hurt anybody. We, we, we set up Michael Brown back in Ferguson, Missouri, wrestled with Darren Wilson for control of his gun. While Darren Wilson sitting in his patrol car, Michael Brown reached in there and tried to take the man's gun from him. Got out of the, when Darren Wilson got out of the car and, and uh, Michael Brown had run away, started running back and charging towards Darren Wilson. Darren Wilson thought Michael Brown was a threat to him because Michael Brown tried to take a gun off a police officer. These are not disputed facts. They're backed up by DNA. They're backed up by eyewitnesses. They're backed up by Eric Holder and out of the Barack Obama administration. And we questioned Darren Wilson and wanted him thrown under a jail. But Michael Byrd, we're going to celebrate. Oh, <laughs> Ashley Babbitt, she's a Trump supporter. There's no morality, no bigger vision driving our point of view other than choosing up sides based on race and politics. This cannot continue. This cannot stand. It's unhealthy for all of us. Anybody that cares anything about this country, if you care about your, screw the country, do you care about your children? How do you think this is going to end? Are you willing to fight a civil war based off these lies? Because that's where we're headed. People are not going to tolerate this level of immorality, illogic lies forever. Black people, we wouldn't tolerate it forever. That's why we took to the streets in the 50s and 60s and said, hey, you can water hose, kill me, burn my churches down the hole, but you're going to treat me like a man. We were willing to lay down our lives to be treated like a man and to end the lies of segregation and discrimination. Now we're looking at a generation 60 years later that's standing on lies, standing on racism, making every decision whose side they're on based on race. Caught up in social media. Caught up in what corporations and what they're going to pay. I get 20 pieces of silver for lying. Oh, I can I can't even go out in the streets. A black person can't even jog without getting killed by the police. Everybody knows that's a damn lie. Oh, I can't even get pulled over for a routine traffic stop without getting killed. It's a life or death situation. That's a lie. You're standing on lies. You sound like George Wallace 
in the 1950s and 60s, standing on lies. You're being exposed because nothing drives you more than race. You've turned race into a religion. It will not stand. It has never stood, not in this country. And eventually people are going to get tired of it. And those of us that want you and the rest of this country Come back under God's umbrella. That's your salvation. These little short term victories you're getting, ripping people off for money by playing the race card on them, that serves you for a second. You're not advancing black people or this country. People made sacrifices for us to experience this freedom and to be full participants in America, people risk their lives. You're not risking your life, you're cashing in. What Michael Byrd did is indefensible. This idiot, what, two years ago, left his gun in a bathroom, didn't report it, it's one of the biggest cardinal sins you can make as a cop. This man is incompetent. And anybody with a brain that listened to his interview knows the man's incompetent. Knows that he's morally bankrupt. There's no man that could get on TV having killed a woman, even if it was justified, having killed a woman can get on TV and act like nothing big happened. I don't care whether she had a gun or not. I showed the utmost courage shooting a 130 pound woman who was climbing through a window and posed no threat to me. Posed a threat to the United States House of Representatives. Are you kidding me? The man looks satanic and them crocodile tears look satanic. He sounded satanic, and anybody backing him is satanic. We, on Wednesday, we just did a whole show with two pastors talking about manhood. And then on Thursday, there's a man on TV that killed a woman, unarmed, who posed no threat to him by his own admission. Asked directly, did she pose a threat? She posed a threat to the United States House of Representatives. He didn't say she posed a threat to Michael Byrd because he knows that's a lie. Ain't no woman in a window just caught, how does she pose a threat to a man six to 10 feet away? And you shoot? If that's the standard, we're all dead. I want to see if I can. <clears throat> summarize my thoughts or, or try to bring them to a crescendo. One nation under God, that's our salvation. That's where we have to head back to. All of this madness, if you've been listening to what I'm talking about, Dwight Eisenhower tried to tell us in 1961, in his farewell speech as he exited, the office of the presidency. Be aware of the military industrial complex. He also expressed other things that we needed to be concerned about, not just the military industrial complex, but where America was headed. He could see it. That's why in 54, he added under God, he wanted to remind us in America, hey, this is what this country's about. And he wanted kids every day in school to say the Pledge of Allegiance as a reminder, hey man, this is the country you, you, you're a part of. 
These are the things that we believe and value. God is part of that. He was trying to instill some things in our national collective fabric. We need to do it again. We need to remember that. Because I'm looking at Glenn Beck. That man is trying to stand under God. And when you stand under God, all this little surface level race stuff disappears. And it becomes about a set of values. Do I have shared values with this person? A set of values shape your position. People all the time, oh, we're love. You just cape it up, you just defending white people. No. You know who I'm defending? Jesus. That's who I'm trying to please. That's whose values I'm trying to incorporate into my life and my worldview. I don't care if you're black or white. I care about your decision making and what's driving it. Is your decision making being driven by race, by what's popular over social media, by what corporations are willing to pay for and fund? Or is there a bigger set of guiding principles driving your worldview? And so I'm sitting at home last night and I'm looking at Glenn Beck being driven by a worldview much broader and bigger and more important than just race and social media. And I was so impressed and I was so moved and it was such a powerful statement to me about, I hope other Christians, regardless of color, are looking at this, that a man is putting his money, mouth, manhood, every on the line for other people and for other Christians. He done flew across the globe to help people he doesn't know who share his Christian values. That's powerful. Should be celebrated. Should be inspiring. It should let you know that people that are trying to stand under God, they're not your enemies. They're not trying to harm you. They would like for you to share their values because they believe that's better for all of us. And again, people, again, I just, Whitlock's over there at the blaze. And, and look, I'm really not defensive about it because I mean, anybody that's followed me knows I don't care what idiots think, what uh, the popular people think. I'm going to do me at all times. And part of me, in this time where we're at in this country, understands where we've gone astray, where we've, what we've moved away from that has made us so vulnerable, all of us. And so those of you that are black, or those of you on the left that are applauding all of this chaos and madness, that think Michael Byrd did something honorable, defending the United States House of Representatives. The only person to fire their gun that day. Michael Burr is not Crispus Attucks. He's no hero. They done trotted this man out in his interview out because the Afghanistan thing is so embarrassing that they needed a distraction and they keep throwing these racial things out there so you can be distracted from this bigger picture so that you'll have no concept that someone like Glenn Beck and other Christians are using their money and influence to help people that don't look like them but share their beliefs. And I go back to, and I've, I've said this before, why I'm at the blaze. And so something else has happened in the past couple of weeks, and I began the show talking about Uncle Jimmy, and I'm going to end it talking about Uncle Jimmy. That's my guy. 
been friends for more than 20 years. Uncle Jimmy clearly not perfect. Neither am I. That's why we get along so well. But clearly not perfect. But that's my guy. And the COVID thing obviously shook me up. I've been talking about it. I've been trying to address my own health issues, particularly as it relates to weight. Uh, I've been talking to Uncle Jimmy every day, multiple times a day. And there's been one person here at the Blaze who has been just as concerned and just as involved as me as it relates to Uncle Jimmy. And, and, and I bring this up just trying to tell you about who your allies are. And they may not look like what you think. They may not be what social media tells you or what corporate media tells you. Oh, black people, your allies are, are all these people on the left and they're not Christians. The Christians, are, they're out to get you. And they, they use Christianity to justify slavery. No, they didn't. Some idiots did. They used Christianity to end slavery. But somewhat digress, I just want to make this point. The president of the blaze is a guy named Gaston Mooney. And <clears throat> what he's done for Uncle Jimmy over these last three weeks, blown my mind. Gaston is, I hope I get the description right. He's a good old boy, lives in South Carolina, likes to hunt and fish, got guns. Somebody might call him a redneck. I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't, but some people might. He lives in South Carolina. He likes to hunt and fish. He's got guns. He's a good old boy. That man, wife, kids, the whole nine. I don't know who Gaston voted for. I don't know if he's a Trump supporter or not, but he probably is. I don't know, nor do I really care. He's president of the blaze. He's very busy. This man has broken his back for Uncle Jimmy and Uncle Jim, during Uncle Jimmy's health crisis. Set is embarrassed me. It's like, I, I'm Jimmy's friend for 20 some odd years. Gaston Mooney's on the phone with doctors in other states. And then when, because it, Jimmy's 59, 59, 60 years old, he's hard to control. Uh, you know, you can't, control, you, you, you're only gonna get a man to do so much, particularly when they get that age. And so me and, me and Gaston beating our heads, how can we make sure Uncle Jimmy's got everything he needs? I called Gaston one day. This man has hired a nurse to go over to Jimmy's house every day to check on him. And y'all want me to get all caught up in race and not Christianity and Christians and people's values? And it, I just want to be clear. I got some friends that are atheists that I love to death. I'm not sure if they love me anymore, but I love them to death just the same. And there's nothing to this day I still wouldn't do for them. But these Christians, <laughs> some of the things they're willing to do based out of their faith and what God has put in their heart blows me away. This man hired a, he lives in South Carolina. Jimmy lives in Nashville. This man done hunted down a nurse on the internet and is paying her to go check on Uncle Jimmy every day. We gotta get beyond the surface level and start looking into the hearts of people and start living up to what uh, Martin Luther King talked about, being judged on the content of your character. All right, I'm good. We'll see you guys next week. Waiting for the countdown.
nothing in life like freedom Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder Making all this moves for freedom I want freedom No negotiation, my sister, no relation We all just wanna have freedom Sitting on the corner, never been alone I'm breaking my back for freedom Bless, we are living, get back We are receiving all the seeds when we all wanna be free We want freedom 